Welcome to my testimony, and today we have a very special guest. Yes, we have uh, Caleb, uh, Caleb Isley, and he's joining us from where? Oregon. Uh, from Portland, Oregon. Yep. Portland, Oregon. <laughs> wow, wow, Caleb. It looks cold over there, Caleb. It does. Yeah, it's, it's one of those nice, cool mornings that's perfect for running, though. Oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And um, you have a, such a unique story, and uh, we can't wait to get into this testimony today. Yes. I know it's going to be a blessing to all of us. So uh, welcome again to my testimony. Thank you. It's good to talk with both of you again. So before we get into my testimony, let's bow our heads for prayer. Mm. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for Caleb. Thank you for his story and thank you for his life and the miracles that you have worked throughout his life through all the years. And we thank you as he shares with us today that we, we pray that his testimony would just be a blessing and that our souls will be blessed and uh, all the viewers that are watching and listening will be drawn closer to you because of it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, Caleb, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, not only what you do, but also where you were born, etc. Sure. Uh, right now, I am a content creator in Portland, Oregon. And uh, that just means that I, I help create things for the internet. And that's my job full time. Mm -hmm. um, Within that, if you think about there are podcasters and YouTubers and all these different people once you get into that field, uh, my specific area is uh, facilitating life story. So I, I've interviewed, I mean, hundreds of people. Um, and, and my job is to both help facilitate the sharing of that story, but also to package it in a way that uh, the internet understands. Uh, there are certain ways that we read stories online. Right. There are certain uh, pieces of content we engage with more. And so it is my job to take that uh, meaningful personal experience and package it in a way that is is meaningful to the person that shared it, but also to the readers and, and something that they can connect with. So right. uh, within the Adventist church, uh, I've interviewed over 500 people, wow. um, mm. both through a project I started called Humans of Adventism. And uh, now within the Oregon Conference every week, I reach out to two different members, drive all over the state, uh, meet with them however I need to, and uh, and share their stories. And the purpose behind that is just building relational bridges, right. uh, exposing people to the diversity in our church, mm -hmm. the um, just vast array of experiences uh, that people live and how that informs uh, their faith, all of that. Um, my life is interesting because I've had the opportunity to, uh, over time, put myself in different pockets of the world. Um, I was born in the South, mm -hmm. in Mississippi. Uh, my parents were very young. My mom uh, was 21. She had just turned 21 when she had me. And uh, we were living in a, a trailer house in Mississippi that my parents had uh, scraped up and, and bought together, but 
didn't have enough money to put electricity in right away or running uh, water. Right. And so they uh, they would actually at one point run an extension cord from another building nearby wow. to their house just to have a fan. Mm -hmm. um, my my dad tells me that in their in their poorest year uh, they made around twelve thousand five hundred dollars for the year. Wow. wow. Um, so we you know we we had help uh, from the government for food. Uh, neighbors. There were uh, little places called scratch and dent stores where you could get uh, canned food for 25 cents or so. Mm -hmm. um, my mom grew a garden to help with with food. Um, and and so that that environment, um, you know, I think my parents felt very pioneering early on right. to try to do that. But as soon as they had kids, they started thinking, you know, we need a good hospital system. We need good education. We need um, you know, just, just more than they had access to. And mm. so they, they moved us up to Indiana where I spent the majority of my time growing up ages of four or five to 18 years old, okay. uh, same school system. Mm -hmm. I managed to go from first through 12th grade, right in the very same town, first in elementary school and then the academy right up the road. Right. Um, in my adult life, I, I got married very young. I was 20 years old. My wife was 18 years old. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Got married, went went to college a couple of years in Ohio, dropped out for financial reasons. And uh, my wife and I moved to the South again, to South Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, where we both finished our degrees at College of Charleston. Okay. And uh, during that time, uh, left the church for a couple of years, mm -hmm. um, ended up coming back with kind of this mentality that, you know, I, I really don't fit the boxes that I need to, to fit. I, I'm not mm. necessarily a good speaker even. I'm not necessarily a good uh, deacon. I definitely couldn't be a literature evangelist. Right. <laughs> okay, right, right. So, yeah. so, but I did have uh, experience and skills in journalism. That's what I was you know, I was doing a, a work with the newspaper near mm -hmm. my college. I, mm. I had all kinds of just this this craving and interest to connect with people and put the words they say out there for for other people. Right. Um, so through that, I just started doing it for free. I started a project called Humans of Adventism, where every week we would share two life stories from Adventists. Mm -hmm. They weren't always devotional. They weren't always positive. Some we had stories on abuse in the church. We had stories on, um, you know, gay kids coming out mm -hmm. right. and what that experience is in the Adventist church. We had uh, female pastors and we had uh, just kind of the range of people um, and just sharing not, not really as a method of saying, you need to believe what this person believes, right. but saying, these are the people that make up our church. Exactly. And this is what life looks like through their eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was recognized way out in Oregon. Um, and they, they managed to put a, a contract together for me. So I moved out here early 2019 and okay. began full-time uh, content creation. Right. Uh, I have several contracts now from, from local churches all the way to the North American division. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. Beautiful. What a resume so far. I know, right? <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but, uh, Caleb, you, um, you, you spoke about, uh, growing up and, um, mm -hmm. and I can relate to this too, cause I grew up in a small Island, um, called Antigua and, um, 
the skewed um, and the biases that you grew up with. Let's let's talk about yes. that a little bit because now you're such a you're handling uh, you you're in, in in interviewing people in the church and yes. and uh, you're meeting a great a great diversity like the the diversity of people that you're meeting and interviewing each time. So tell us about yeah. your your growing up and how the influences that you had growing up and how how is it now how how it has changed. Yeah, so so small town Midwest, uh, Indiana, mm. at least in my experience, was very solidly um, similar to me. Right. Um, part of that, so I, I had two kind of distinct areas that I spent my time growing up. Um, at school and church and Pathfinders, I was very involved with Adventism. Mm -hmm. So I had my, my church kind of uh, atmosphere, right. which was... Um, you know, very conservative, very, uh, you do as you, as we prescribe, um, you dress formally for church, you right. don't have drums in the service, you, um, there wasn't a lot of room to discuss definitely things like uh, sexual orientation right. or something like that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Very, very solidly we have enough people that believe this way. And if you don't believe this way, you should leave. Um, right. Then there was the environment of the rest of my life. So um, my dad, my parents had divorced early on when I was six oh, and my dad had remarried and together my dad and stepmom started a construction company. Okay. So just about every moment that I was not at school, Pathfinders or church, mm -hmm. I was working uh, with with my parents' company. So I don't care if I was seven years old, eight years old, I was doing something to help at all times, right. just about, unless I was sleeping or or I'd been permitted to go to a friend's house or something like that. Right. But in my area, um, you know, it, it was very solidly white. It was very solidly either Christian or, um, or raised Christian, but but maybe on you had backslidden or something, but there was definitely a kind of a given unity of uh, belief systems. I, did, I wasn't exposed to people of other um, religions outside of Christianity very much. Right. I wasn't exposed to other races very much. I, I tell people the first uh, black classmate that I had was in Academy. Right. Uh, so I had, you know, I was 14 or so before I was really rubbing shoulders with someone uh, who was black. Um, there were a couple of kids, um, you know, one friend had been adopted from the Philippines, you know, one friend from a Hispanic family, but, but very much, um, they were very visibly the minority around me. Right. And mm -hmm. so a lot of times, you know, they would just want to fit in as well. So right. I didn't really get a lot of uh, exposure to diversity. Mm -hmm. um, even, even how we interacted, uh, as, as sexes, right. As men and women, mm -hmm. um, it was very divided. Like you, you didn't really do something alone with the opposite sex. And, right. and maybe that was right. because I was an early teen teenager, that kind of thing. But what it caused for me was a, a echo chamber, a silo of what is straight white, Adventist mm -hmm. or at least Christian 
-hmm. and conservative Adventist or Christian. Uh, Those were the voices that had authority in my life Mm -hmm. at all times. Uh, My pastor, whether it was my family, whether it was any leader just about that I had uh, that really had authority in my life was coming from a very similar perspective. Right. And so, you know, I, I naturally adopted uh, these things. Um, you know, even my, my value set was very, um, it, was, it was taught to me as, you know, America was the hero in every story. Uh, okay. White people had done these amazing things mm-hmm. all over the place and, and really downplayed serious parts of that, um, mm-hmm. serious exploitation of other people uh ways that they had had kind of held on to power um but this was the norm whether it was explicitly said or not it would come out in in jokes uh if there was ever someone at the expense of a joke it Mm -hmm. would never be someone like me um you know and so all of these things came together to form a very limited worldview Mm. where in my mind subconsciously i was feeling that each of those categories, whether it was male, white, Adventist, mm-hmm. whatever, American, uh, had come into some kind of leadership or authority or power because they were better. Right. And and anyone hearing this that doesn't come from, you know, kind of my demographic, automatically you see how problematic and damaging that kind of, of thinking could be. Absolutely. Um, but without you know, strong voices to tell me it was wrong mm-hmm. or to say like, hey, that's that's really hurtful and very arrogant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of accountability in that area. So, so over time, I'm sure we'll get into this. My testimony, my transformation, mm-hmm. um, my conversion experience right. mm-hmm. was, was not one of believing that God exists. Mm-hmm. I've always my whole life believed that. Mm-hmm. But uh, a, a transformation of how I view human beings, um, how I view mm-hmm. all of God's children, my fellow right. siblings in Christ, mm. um, and and one of of I hope um, true true equality of morality, equality of of value, right. and and equality of authority in my life. Got you. So you're in the church, but where are you spiritually? Where, did you hear God's voice every time you're at Pathfinders, every time you're going to listen to a sermon? Are you hearing God speak to you or are you just going through the motions? I, I think that I've always been a pretty spiritual person with what I knew. Um, even early on, it was definitely much more legalistic. It was definitely much more trying to um, right. earn heaven right. and, and actively avoid hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, th- those were the driving forces. It wasn't um, necessarily to be a better person. It was, I don't want to go to hell. I do want to go to heaven. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yep. But but God has always had an authority in my life, even, even at the point that I ended up leaving church as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, it was because I felt that church got in the way of my relationship with God oh. and with other people. So, so there's never been a time when, um, you know, my spiritual life felt empty, my spiritual life felt gone, or I questioned the existence of God. Mm. I've only questioned how we as people uh, interact with that. Mm. 
Right, right. Wow. So, so, so tell us about that. Tell so, us about yeah, you. You, you left church. The transformation. You left yeah. church because you felt like, you know, I'm going to church every week and we are just doing the same old, same old. I'm not touching any lives. So tell us about what, yeah. what happened there. What, what talked you to let you say, no, I can't do this anymore. Exactly. You know, I started asking questions about church and my worldview quite a bit when I started dating my wife. Um, we were, we were only 15 and 16 when we started dating. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was getting some real exposure to some of the difficulties that can happen to other people through her. Uh, her family's from the Dominican Republic. Uh, At the time Mm -hmm. they were on expired visas, um, and, and had become undocumented. Mm. And so there were things that would happen when I would spend time with her family. Okay. And I was the only, you know, white person around or the only native, you know, first language, only language English right. speaker around. Right. Okay. And I would see the interactions between her family and people who had power over them, whether it was mm. landlords, whether it was, um, you know, a, a kind of higher ranking church member, whether it was people out in the grocery store. Okay. Um, there was a, a, a distinct, visible difference. Wow. Once I took a back seat and I saw the world through what they were experiencing, mm. we had one situation where we're standing in their apartment and the ceiling uh, falls on our heads. Oh, wow. the, the drywall falls on our heads oh, and yeah. water okay. goes okay. all over the floor. And, you know, of course, we're shocked. Like, what just happened? Right. Um, what had happened was there was a, a leaking air conditioner above. Okay. okay. And it had stored up water until the drywall ceiling actually broke and fell on our heads. Mm. Now, what was, uh, what stood out to me about that experience was when they tried to get help from the people who owned the property, Mm -hmm. uh, white owned maintenance man is white. You know, everybody who has any power to do anything is white and, and seeing how they came in, they didn't offer them any, place to stay. They didn't offer, there was an empty apartment across the hall. They asked if they could stay in. They said, no, basically they said, you're on your own. We'll fix the ceiling and we'll put heaters in here. You figure out where to sleep. Right. Wow. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I remember thinking I was so angry Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking you wouldn't dare do this to my family. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you wouldn't, there's no way we have legal action we can take. Uh, we have a, a community that would get behind us if needed. We have um, tools at our disposal to counter this. Mm-hmm. Sure, you could be a jerk still, but you would have some fear of, uh, you know, reta- not retaliation, but accountability. Right. Um, and that just wasn't there. The, the, the family was stuck in a situation where they had to accept even an unfair um you know, situation because they didn't have the tools to do something about it. Right. And, and so that really sparked a lot in me. It made me at the very, at very minimal, uh, very minimum, more gentle and more um, reserved before I would talk about someone else's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kept having these experiences. I, I was hired early in college after I had we had gotten married and moved down to South Carolina by a, a, an older gay couple, okay. uh, married two men. And I had all of these judgments about them. I had all of this perception that had come from church that had come from years of saying, you know, these are 
the world's worst sinners. Right. These are people right. who have, yep. have yep. abandoned God. Mm-hmm. And, and here, first of all, they paid me more than I asked. Oh. They worked with my new school schedule when I went back to school. Right. And over time, they started sharing like, well, you know, we, we actually believe in God. Okay. We worship God. God mm-hmm. is a, a fact to us, but there is nowhere that we are welcome. Oh. Um, you know, we we have tried to go to church. We have tried to be part of church communities, and over and over again, they have rejected us. Mm. And again, it wasn't that I just took, uh, you know, my my employer's belief at the time and and adopted it into my brain, right. but it did make me ask questions about how do I treat people, right. how do I talk about them, yep. you know, uh, are they do I talk about them as my equal? Do I talk about them as uh, a fellow child of God right. with all of the value, all of the chance, all of the hope that I have? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the sad answer and the, the one that was really jarring to me was, no, I don't. Right. No, I'm not treating people as equals. I'm not, you know, uh, right. to be honest with myself was to say, I have some serious, serious work to do. So, I started having these questions and I was going to church and, you know, just continuing to hear, even after moving, going to a new Adventist church, continuing to hear just the constant villainizing, demonizing and bashing of people who are atheists, people of other religions, young people, um, people of other races, people, you know, just constantly. There was just this list amassed of people that were, uh, spoken poorly of and Mm -hmm. and so that i had a problem with that then i'm i'm 20 years old or 21 22 years old Mm -hmm. you know early in my 20s and my wife and i are absolutely broke completely broke Mm -hmm. to the point where my car would stop working every other week Mm. um i was i was going back to school i i was working full-time i was in a new marriage and when i get to church Mm -hmm. We have this big program and everything, but nobody knows me well enough to know my car isn't working. Right. You know, nobody knows me enough wow. to know that my fridge is empty, right. you know? Um, and, and then I think this is the point where I really kind of decided I have to leave is I remember uh, staying for potluck and they were passing around a sheet of church responsibilities. And uh, right. someone comes up to me with this, this sheet and they're like, You've been here a while. We need you to sign up for more. Oh. And it just broke me. I mean, mm. knowing how hard it had been to just be there. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to me, it was a it was an effort to get across town. To me, it was an effort to spend the only day of my week that I am mm. not working or studying or staying up late or stressing. My Sabbath now has to be I have to give more, you know, and I didn't have more to give. Mm, I really didn't. Right. Um, wow. And and I had tried to connect with people. Um, the pastor had had mentioned several times, "Hey, you guys, you want to meet up for pizza or something?" Mm. And okay, and uh, it sounded like the greatest thing. I mean, we're broke, right? We exactly. we don't have yeah. a lot of time to. I mean, it it we would love to go to pizza, right? And several times we got invited probably three four times and every time 
that I followed up. Mm. It was like, hey, we're free these days. Let's make it happen. Right. Uh, every time we were put off. Oh. And so wow. just this combination of, yeah, where there was no definite time set. Uh, there was no real effort to truly make this happen. Mm. It's a simple thing. It's pizza, you know, right. but right. the combination of all of these things. And then I started going to a public college and there are all these groups there that are out feeding homeless people, right? There are all right. these groups out there that are mm -hmm. finding students that are in need and making sure that they have enough to eat, a place to shower, mm -hmm. something to do. Mm -hmm. um, and the contrast was so clear to me. You know, uh, the, the church is supposed to be the leader in community, the leader in compassion. Mm -hmm. and, and here, these, these humanist groups, these people, these collective collections of, of students, these people who didn't have a lot themselves a lot of times, right. they were spending their weekends out serving people. You know, and, and so I'm looking at this, I'm like, do I need another sermon about Revelation? Do I need another sermon about uh you know the the most holy place in the mm. sanctuary do i need another uh children's story mm. um i didn't mm. i needed community and i needed to i needed service at the time yep. to, to help me but i also needed to be part of helping other people and i still very much have that mentality i need to be awesome. able to truly make an impact on somebody's life um and right. and i can't let church get in the way of that exactly so so that's the point that i left church i came back for the same reason i found that okay um Where but you find that? but at the time that i left i was gone about two years okay and i i i love the little church that that ended up bringing me back because they came to me first of all mm -hmm. Um, my, just a quick history, my, my whole family is full of people who either didn't grow up in the church or grew up and left, okay. including my grandma, my mom, uh, my mom had been out of the church since the divorce. Okay. I mean, for my entire growing up experience almost, mm. and they had moved to Orangeburg, South Carolina and joined this little church that just needed help. They, they were so tired. It was almost all senior citizens aside from the pastor okay. and Okay. They, they, they were at the point where we've tried everything. We don't know what works. We don't have anybody new coming in. Mm. We just need people to do something here. Wow. So I saw first, uh, my parents and grandparents get involved. Um, you know, my, my mom has a, a big tattoo right here okay. visible. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's up in song service leading, uh, my, my stepdad is, so new to the church. I mean, I think he had joined maybe a year before. Okay. Um, and he's made head elder. Okay. Uh, so there wasn't all of this bureaucracy and these hoops to jump through and these this perfectionism, this, uh, mm -hmm. you know, where I would be kind of a junior deacon if I joined, Bye. you know. Bye. Um, so I saw them and I was inspired by their story. But on top of that, the way the church interacted with me was to ask my opinion a lot okay. um, when I was outside the church. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a member. Right. I'm just a young person. Right. And, and they're very aware of the fact that they do not have young people. 
But instead of saying, hey, we need to make you join the choir, we need to make you become a deacon, we need to make you get involved in literature evangelism. Instead of that, they said, hey, can you come to our board meeting oh, and wow. just share your thoughts? Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Can, can I, the pastor said, can I meet you for lunch? And he took me to lunch. He came to where I was working. Mm. And he was like, hey, let's go, <laughs> funny enough, get pizza. Okay. So you got your pizza. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Wow. And and so what I saw was not I didn't find a cool church. Mm. I didn't find one where the program was what I wanted. The sermons weren't all, you know, cool. Mm. <laughs> um, but I did find a place where my voice and me myself the human being were incredibly valued and incredibly loved. Amen. And yeah. <clears throat> that was shown to me before I came back, not as a uh, reward for attendance. Right. Mm. Right. So um, over time, I just started coming more and more. I remember I recorded a, a, not a sermon, but kind of a lead into the service where I just, I talked about the opportunity we have to do ministry online, that there are so many people who connect with content online, that connect with messages online, and you don't ever know why. They might be in a nursing home. Yeah. You know, they might be um, on, uh, traveling for work every single week, but mm -hmm. but the internet has become a, a place where they can access mm. and learn yeah. and, and be witnessed to. And I remember standing in front of that church and afterward, two of the older kind of patriarchs of the church came up to me and they said, you know, we don't use social media. We hardly use the internet for anything, mm. but if you need money for a computer and you would use it for the church, wow. we'll buy it. Wow. If you, if you want to oh, do something, mm. we want to help you make that happen. Amen. And we don't need to tell you what to do. We don't need to monitor you. We don't need to micromanage your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We trust you. Yeah. Amen. And I'll tell you that I worked so much harder mm. to to meet that trust, Amen. to do something, because they were trusting me. They were willing to say, you have the passion and drive for this. You have something that God has put on your heart. You have a calling. Yeah. And it's not up to us to to be the boss of that calling. It's mm. we want to take a role that empowers it. Wow. And and. Even today, I very much occupy a, a, a rare part for a young person of the church where I have leaders like that. Yes. I've gone, I've, 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 I've been pulled to them. I'm magnetized, drawn to them mm -hmm. uh, because they're willing to empower something that they don't even have the full vision of. Right. They just see a calling and they want to support it. Yes. And that's not something I ever expected, but it's something that I couldn't, I, I would never want to leave. Mm. Right. I'm, I'm now part of the church community because I want to be here. Right. Exactly. Despite all of the problems that I see yeah. in the church, mm. all of that, I love being part of it. Right. Amen. Mm. Amen. That Amen. Awesome. I mean, it's a, it's amazing how, how God used that little church and the members in there to, yeah. to really minister to you to, during that time that you needed yeah. most. And now it has evolved into um, human of Adventism, you yeah. know. And oh, um, right. yeah, mm -hmm. tell, tell us about that ministry. And, and, and how uh, did you get into it right. to begin with? Yep. Sure. 
So when I was still outside of the church, there was a, a, a website, Facebook page called uh, Humans of New York. Mm. And it was a young guy, uh, maybe, you know, seven or eight years older than me. He was a, a photographer, an amateur photographer right. that went into New York City. And his attitude was, I just want to talk to and photograph 10,000 people. Oh, wow. Okay. okay, so so that was his mission. Every day, he just wanted to go out. It didn't matter if he was talking to a taxi driver, somebody on the bench, a homeless person, a mom, mm -hmm. somebody walking their dog. Age didn't matter. Race didn't matter. Mm -hmm. None of that mattered. His job was not to change what they said. It was not to teach a certain lesson. It was just to intake the world through their experience and share it. Right. And so I found this and as kind of a young emerging journalist and, and somebody who wanted that human connection, who wanted to right. help facilitate mm -hmm. building bridges. I was very much on this journey of coming out of no diversity to, I don't know anything. I have to explore everything. What does it mean to grow up, you know, of this part of this native tribe? What does it mean to grow up, uh, uh, you know, a, a woman in the Adventist church who wants to be a pastor? What does it mean right. to, yep. to grow up and, uh, you know, only have uh, your mom supporting you or your grandma? You know, all of these different, even what does it mean if you work at Walmart or Dollar General? Right. You know, like, what is your life like? What are the factors? What are the stresses mm -hmm. um, that come with that? And so I was just very inspired by this. I read every single post as often as, as he would do anything um, mm -hmm. because it was giving me an education on empathy, right. diversity, and just yep. being able to see the world and how different yes. we all view the world. Right. You know, uh, one of the exercises that I started doing was I would see a picture of somebody and I would, I would feel, I would hear in my own mind the judgment. Uh, say that they were wearing, you know, a, a St. Patrick's Day hat in public. Mm -hmm. Something as simple as that. Mm -hmm. To me, I'm like, that's weird. You mm -hmm. know, that that looks weird. You know, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't approach this person in the street and talk to them. Wow. Right. And yet when I would read their story, uh -huh. yeah. when I would read their story and see the world through their eyes, mm -hmm. they didn't seem dumb. Right. They didn't I seem crazy. They seemed like there were factors that had contributed to their life where they were led to dressing like this today or, you know, wherever they were, even uh, the stories of homeless people, right? That it wasn't um, just a bunch of lazy people who didn't want to work. There were real serious reasons why somebody lost their home or their family or their medical care. Exactly. Um, there were stories on, on drug addicts, right? Mm -hmm. Where you wouldn't just, for me, I would be like, Oh, that's kind of scary. Like, steer away from that right but yeah. once you start delving into the the pain and the experiences and the um some of them were dealing with psychological issues some of them were dealing with just serious trauma some of them just literally didn't have another human in the world that cared about them right. and they didn't have any kind of community safety net so that if something went wrong there was no option right um and so so i'm being exposed to all of this uh, stuff and it's really creating this education on diversity and empathy for me, mm -hmm. um, and it, it's powering this craving that I have to know more about other people. <clears throat> um, I took an internship with a newspaper in my town, and I'm an introverted person still. 
I, I love learning about we, we, people. We don't, really? We don't, but see, it drains we don't see it. Kira. I don't see that part of you. <laughs> so, so what introverted means, though, is that right. you're drained by interaction. Right. It doesn't mean you're shy. Right. Um, and so for me, it takes effort to initiate. It takes effort to, like, it doesn't come naturally to me at all. It's right. a learned behavior totally over mm -hmm. the past decade of my life. Right. Um, so, so I got this experience of like, they just give me a phone number, say, call this person and write an article about it. And I had to introduce myself, say where I work, all right. of this stuff. And it was terrifying. I hated wow. it, yeah. but I got used to it. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I got used to it to the point where I started enjoying it. Right. Um, I started being more curious. I started having more confidence. Mm -hmm. And so, so when I came back to church, um, one of my big things was we really don't know each other. Why is it that I'm, I'm sitting next to this 90 year old man mm -hmm. who's walking in with a cane, wearing his green suit. He's got like a handlebar mustache. Mm -hmm. And all I know is that he's an older member of the church who cares about preparation for the end times. <laughs> or yep. he recommended this That's book yep. or, mm -hmm. yep. but what do I know about his life? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing, you know, and I, I found out that, that, that very man that I'm talking about used to be a semi-professional soccer player oh, when he was wow. young. See? See? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I, to me, I don't know any of that, right? I'm just seeing this older man and I'm thinking, older man, mm -hmm. the end. Right. But, but he has a wealth of experiences that inform why he cares about the end times, why he cares about the different things that he cares about. Yes. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. And so, so originally i wanted to do this with my local church um okay had a very hard time mm -hmm. because my communication style is very digital it's okay. very open it's very vulnerable right. <laughs> and i'm coming up against the uh preconceptions and built-in personalities of growing up in a different generation of people right. where uh vulnerability can be seen as weakness right. vulnerability can be seen as um not enough faith right right, right. Mm -hmm. so it didn't it didn't work out with my local church they were very much supportive of we want you to do this we just don't want to be the person sharing their right. personal details <laughs> yeah. no can't tell you can't tell you that part of the story <laughs> uh, well. yep yeah. so <clears throat> so that's that's kind of where i made the decision to go from just working with my local church to adventism big adventism yes. right um and and i wanted it broad enough you know where i could just talk to whoever and see like what's your experience do you claim this this belief system and if so you know what does that look like and what does your life look like as somebody who claims that and you know i've i've never i've never had the attitude of wanting to speak for the church as a whole but instead just kind of, you know, we, we see communication from the church coming out of the general conference or the North American division or right. whatever authority. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we make the mistake of thinking that they are the be all end all of the That's church. True. That's true. Um, yep. But yep. our religion was never designed to be that way. Right. One of the unique and interesting uh, aspects of Adventism is that it has two way accountability. Yeah. Um, so that the local church has power, it has voice, it has a spiritual authority at some level, just like the kind of uh, upper upper leadership does. Yes. Um, 
and and we don't see that represented in our media very much i i didn't know that our church worked that way until i started asking okay right so so what we're doing is building the ground up we're we're coming to the normal person the average person the people who make up this uh very diverse religion yes and saying like what does it look like to grow up in a russian adventist church yeah you know what does it look like to grow up in a filipino adventist church or a korean adventist church what does it look like to come from another country mm-hmm. and move to michigan or what does it look yeah. like to come from another country and move to california right those all of those things create such different experiences even if we agree on the sabbath or the state of the dead or yeah. uh, in general maybe diet yeah the way that that plays out in a life is completely different from person to person uh, amen that's true and why true. do you think that is do you think that's because of their relationship with god or just the way that they were raised i think there are thousands if not millions of factors yeah. that affect it our families affect it our trauma affects it our um, local church the local church is not the same from place to place no. um right. you no. know there are similarities mm-hmm. the yeah. the program tends to be very united yeah. Um, but depending on the priorities of the leaders there, depending on the culture of the the people that make up the church, yeah. um, depending on how overbearing their conferences in deciding for them, uh, what things yeah. are, it's very different yeah. from place to place. And it's, um, even down to socioeconomic status, yeah. that's going to affect our religion right um yeah you know i because i have experienced some levels of poverty because i have experienced now through other people uh some of the the pain that can come from being part of a group that's not the majority all of these things affect your priorities right Mm -hmm. i was noticing in the church that i left that the priorities were very uh intellectual they were very we're going to explain prophecy and we're going to explain all of these complex secrets of the Bible, right? Well, great. But but my priority when I see a neighbor who can't pay their light bill mm-hmm. is not to tell them about okay. the most holy place. Right. It is to help them pay their light bill. Amen. You know, um, and and so all of these different things affect us. And if you've grown up without without being exposed to poverty, for example, mm-hmm. you don't know what it's like. No. Right. You you don't know what it's like to live in a house where half the light bulbs don't work right. or where you're you have three locks on your door oh, uh, because I... you're actually afraid of someone coming in. Mm. Right. Um, if you've never been in a family with addiction, you don't know what it's like to have a father on heroin or a mother mm. on heroin. Right. All of these things change our priorities within Adventism, yeah. within our belief in God, um, our lives very much shape and inform uh how we view god and how we interact with the church yes so true so true because uh many times we we separate the uh the practical from the um our practical everyday life from our belief system and that's mm. that's a big mistake you know so we have yeah to, yeah it's a lifestyle it's our entire lifestyle and god yeah. is concerned about us he's concerned about our entire lifestyle yeah not just us knowing about prophecy yeah. and all that stuff. Prophecy, 
it's part of our lifestyle. It's part mm -hmm. of, of our everyday and how we live. So, you know. So, so part of, as you watch the stories come out of Humans of Adventism, for example, mm -hmm. part of what you're seeing is my personal journey of exploring people's lives, right? I'm coming now instead of an attitude of, I know what your life is like growing up in this group of people, or I know your struggle, or I know what informs your mind. I don't have that attitude. My attitude is, I don't know. Right. My, attitude, my attitude is, I want to know. Right. Um, so, so I'm actually bringing people along in the journey of, I've not been exposed to much before this. Right. And here you can see kind of a paper trail of I'm actively combating that I'm actively yeah. trying to connect yeah. with other people and, right. and dig into the different areas of the world that I don't know about. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you find when you do these stories um, and people are telling their stories, what, what, what do you sense from them? Is it like sometimes maybe like a relief or someone is finally listening to their stories and someone finally care about them? Yeah, definitely. I would say that's that's a constant. Um, there are so many people in our church that no one has sat down and taken the time to just listen, mm. not to teach them about anything, just to right. say, I care about your life. I want to know what's important to you. Right. Like, where, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to share? Mm. Um, and And even things, I constantly have people sharing a story and telling me, I haven't even told my friends this story. Mm. I haven't even told my family this story. I haven't even told my wife this story or my kids this story right. because no one's ever asked. Mm. You know, we we as people don't usually just go into a conversation at a friend's house or at church or wherever we are and just right. say, hey, I'm right. going to tell you my story now. Right. Yes. Right. Right. We actually have to have somebody come and facilitate. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and I'm discovering how badly that's needed. You know, mm -hmm. so much of our evangelism, so much of our uh, pastoral work mm -hmm. at times, so much of our messaging from the church has been, we are an educator for you. We are a authority for you. Mm -hmm. We are mm -hmm. going to give you tools right. and then you have to use them. But how often do we say, I'm not here to teach. I'm not here to suggest. Right. I'm not here to pressure. I'm here because I genuinely want to know about your life. Yeah. And and this this is such a widespread issue. It's not just in our church. No. Nope. Um, it's it's in the world. Yeah, it is. We we in general as human beings create space to share ourselves yes. as much as we can. In conversation, we're already thinking about what we're going to say yes. without processing what the other person is going to say yeah. often. It's true. Exactly. Yeah. But what we need, a human need, something that counters loneliness and makes us feel loved, is when somebody says, I'm here and I'm, I'm all about you right now. Yes. I, I want to know. I'm, I'm not going to rush you. I just want to know more. As much as you're willing to share, as much as you're comfortable sharing, I am here because you are interesting and you are valuable and your story has weight and meaning and every bit as much to teach me as I could possibly ever teach you. Yes. yes. And you know, when you do that, you build an instant bond with somebody. Yes. You build a connection with them that is so powerful that when you have something to say, people listen back. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. And wow. uh, Caleb, that's that's the ministry. That's ministry, right? It there. is ministry, yeah, and that's that's, that's yeah. what Jesus did when he was on earth. Mm. That's why his ministry was so successful because Jesus took his time out and he listened to people and he, and he touched them and he he was there for them and um, mm-hmm. and I can see how how God is just using He's you using from the journey he brought you and and the, the things that he put you through mm. to uh to make you realize what humans are mm. what humans are as you started yeah. doing all the, your different stories now you've talked to so many people how is your journey now with God yep yep you know, it's it's funny because sometimes I think the way that we see ourselves um, is the way that we see God mm. by extension. Um, yep. When I wanted to be an authority, when I wanted to tell people what their lives were like or mm. teach them right. about God, right. God to me was very authoritarian, oh. you know, very black and white, mm. very... Yeah. Um, rules-based, rules-oriented, and and so was I. Mm. Um, but once I saw, you know, it was something that really changed my mind was seeing some of the kindest people within the church or without right. and thinking, why is it that I view this? I wish this person, like, I wish God was more like this person, oh, right? Wow. Like, they're so kind. They're so welcoming. They're so magnetic. I love being around them, and I feel safe around them and I know I can make mistakes and it's fine. They'll love me anyway. Mm. And I, I remember thinking people can't be more loving than God. If, if God is the source of all good things, if God is a God of love yep. and that all love comes from God, yep. then what I'm seeing is a tiny, tiny fragment of how kind and merciful God can be. Mm-hmm. So if I take the most merciful, kind person in my life and say, God is a million times better than that, yeah. I'm secure, yeah. right? Like I, I have no worries. Mm. Um, you know, just like if you have a, a great relationship with your mom or dad and they've taught you that when they say don't run in the street, they're protecting you. When they say don't put your hand on the stove, mm-hmm. they're not trying to be authoritarian right. in any way. They're not trying to control you. Mm-hmm. But there are times when they see something that could be so much worse in your life yes. and they speak up and they say, hey, don't touch that stove. Exactly. Don't run in the street. Right. God is a million times better than that. And so I, I just have a different confidence and security where I don't have to know enough. I don't have to uh, behave well enough. Right. All of all of my behavior uh, comes from a love for God and and by extension, a deep care and love for other people. Amen. Amen. Um, and so, so my view of God is, is so much bigger. It's so much more open and welcoming and curious. Uh, you know, there's so much room for, for mystery and unknown. There's so much room for trying things and failing, Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just, it's just a constant security for me. And while I've always believed God existed mm-hmm. now, I just want him as as a part of my life at all times i i I think that in every way a relationship with him makes my life better because there's no good in my life outside of it amen 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 powerful 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 powerful. powerful. (laughs) amazing wow caleb wow (laughs) 
our hearts been filled today. Yeah. And um, so, so tell tell the viewers where can we find your work? Where can we find um, Human of Adventism? Yeah, this is a really exciting time to be discovering it. Yeah. Uh, you can find Humans of Adventism on on Facebook or Instagram right now. For the next few weeks, we're going through um, a kind of reconstruction of Humans of Adventism. We've okay. spent a year uh, working with Justin Koo, uh, okay. from formerly uh, That Christian Blogger. Yes. Uh, we have partnered this year to do a 10-episode documentary series, okay. film series on Humans of Adventism. Oh, okay, I wait for that. So, right, right. Yeah. Yep. In in January, that's our. We don't have a specific date yet. We're still in editing, but uh, we're hoping in January we'll have those ten episodes of of Adventists from all over the country talking about uh, all kinds of down to earth subjects. That yep. we've got uh, episodes on COVID nineteen. We've got episodes on culture. We've got episodes on uh, change. Right. All of these different things, and even some some miracle stories. Of course. Uh, of course. So just you know that's that's what you can expect um you know just in a matter of weeks yeah amen, amen. looking forward awesome. to that man awesome. so you know that's that's right up my field man because i'm i'm a filmmaker too so i can't wait to see, see that. that stuff i'm so excited <laughs> right now so, yep yep so. i'm excited to share it yeah, yeah yeah definitely definitely so again um i mean caleb thank you so yeah. much for sharing yeah, your story that that unique journey that God has brought you through and uh, yeah. where you are today mm. and your ministry and how it's growing mm. and the lives that you're touching. So yeah. mm -hmm. just want to thank you so much, so much again for coming on and telling us your testimony. Yeah. So, all right. Um, yeah. Happy to share it. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Amen. All right. So let's, let's pray. Yep. Pray. You can pray. <laughs> Dawn is going to pray to, right. to close to this close out. out. All right. Father, we have heard everything that Caleb has gone through and where you have led him yes. up to this point of his life. And what an amazing journey so far. And I know that you have so many more plans for him. Yep. And so I ask that you continue to bless him and his ministry and his family continue to be with each and every one of them. Continue to help them to know that you are so real that as they continue this journey, you just show them more and more things that is just going to excite them. Yes. So thank you so much for this testimony. Thank you for the way that it touches our hearts. Help us to understand how to treat each one of our friends, our family members mm -hmm. as your children yep. and be really aware that you are within them and that you created them and that we have an opportunity just to spend some time to get to know them so we can share you with them. Amen. So that we can all be reunited together. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. <sighs> Caleb, thanks again. Thank you so much. And um, we'll, we'll be in touch. Yeah. We'll yes. be in touch. So. Yeah. And um, do, you, right. do you have like a, a website so, or your, your Facebook handle or your Instagram handle? Or give, give, give us all your everything, your Snapchat, oh. everything. <laughs> <laughs> Where people can find you. So I would wait on... I would wait on the website since we're getting a new one okay, uh, in perfect. the next few weeks. Perfect. Uh, okay. But if you want to follow just just me, the person, mm -hmm. uh, the hardest part is spelling my name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you want to look up Caleb Isley on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's K-A-L-E-B. Mm -hmm. 
E-I-S-E-L-E. And I am active on all of those. Okay. Yeah, right. Thank Wonderful. you. Thank Wonderful. you. Thanks again. Thanks again yeah. for sharing. And um, looking forward to meeting you in person again. Yeah. We met. We met before. Yeah. When you guys yeah. came down to South Florida. Yeah. So, but looking forward to teaming up with you guys again, with you and Justin. Yeah. And um, where, where's who? Pastor Jasper? Jasper. Where's Jasper these days? We can't find he? him. He's always all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Jasper is everywhere. I yeah. know. Right. Yeah. Uh, I. I couldn't even tell you what country he's in now because it seems like every week or two he's in a different one. So, last I checked, he was home in the Philippines for a little bit. Okay, okay, okay. all right. So, you know, give everyone all regards and uh, we'll talk soon, okay? Take care. Okay, bye. (laughs) Sounds good.